Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 44 of the Camino Voice. This is going to be part two of my interview with Lynn Ayers. So if you did not hear part one, be sure to go back and listen to that. Um, so here we go. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamena Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, this is part two of the my interview with Lynn Ayer, so if you didn't hear part one, be sure to go back and do that. Um, part one covers kind of her history, her work history, um, and where she started and then where she ended up. And then this episode is going to dive into how she actually got started with uh, the San Juan Food Bank and how they've reacted to COVID and how that's affected them. So uh, be sure to listen. And uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. So then when did you get started with the, the San Juan Food Bank then? Well, my neighbor... Um, she was part of the board of directors, and she said, I would really like you to come and help out. And it was during a holiday serve. So Thanksgiving and Christmas, we do holiday baskets. And I, I didn't even know we had a food bank, to be honest. I, I, you know, I lived here, um, and I had no idea. So this was in 2012. And um, it was right after Jeannie had died. Jeannie was the founder of the food bank and thrift store. And so people, the volunteers, um, were still kind of reeling from that. And um, I helped out with a Thanksgiving serve and I was hooked. I never looked back. It was um, an experience that, I don't know, it kind of, it just tugged at the heartstrings. And um, the volunteers that were involved were amazing people and um, the sense of community and the sense of doing something that was important. And um, what I noticed, and I opened my big mouth because I'm a fixer, um, the way people were checked in was on index cards. So um, there was an index card for every for every member and there would be there would be different colors of ink and there would be stars and there would be stickers to designate things about <laughs> family and I mentioned to the volunteer next to me hey you know I see they're doing index cards if someday they wanted to computerize this you know use technology I bet we could make this more efficient and easier for the volunteers and for our members. And she kind of shook her head and nodded. And that was the last I'd heard of it. And then after in um, 2013, right after the holidays, I got a call and the conversation went something like, I heard you said you were willing to volunteer <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and get us computerized. All right, we're ready for you to start. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So um, I spent three or four months working with the team and the volunteers, and um, and it was it was challenging uh, because most of the volunteers are in their 70s and 80s and um, kind of set in their ways. And 
putting things on computer mm -hmm. for some people meant they were going to be out of a job because they weren't computer savvy. And so it was kind of that balancing act of making it safe um, and then finding new positions for people mm -hmm. or getting them comfortable and trained so that they could do it. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. So some people thought I was amazing and some people just hated me oh, no. <laughs> because, because, you know, while it was going to be a better process, it, it was different. And again, we talked about change. Yeah. It's hard for people to change. And, um, Jeannie set up an amazing nonprofit. Um, she, you know, when she set that up 40 plus years ago, she, she said, you know, I want to make sure we feed people, but I need a way to have income for that. So she set up a thrift store and that was the steady stream of income. So um, in addition to donations, she could sell people's junk or treasures <laughs> and pay for the food to run a food bank. Wow. Um, and so then the next step was kind of bringing it current and using technology that we have. Um, so I did that, and then I was offered a volunteer, a part-time volunteer coordinator position. And um, and so I, I did that for a little while, and then I was food bank manager, and then eventually in 20, what was it, late 2015, um, I took over as director. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is the, the hardest job I've ever loved. It, um, it is really fulfilling. It's really humbling. It's, um, it's energizing to be around people from the community who have so much talent and so many gifts and so much passion. And then to get to know the families that need services and to know their story and to be allowed to hold their story and um, for them to know that we respect them and that their stories are safe with us and you know to celebrate successes to share in grief when it's appropriate um, yeah it's yeah it's a uh, it is probably the best job I've ever had yeah. Too. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you speak about it on uh, some of the chamber events that we've had and um, like your your enthusiasm and passion um, shows greatly through everything. And um, but yeah, I mean, and also just hearing about the, the different things that you guys are able the experiences. Yeah, that you're able to share with these people, um, the ability to to reach out and help these people in, in the places that they are. Um, is just it's really neat to be able to see that and and you know we are in a country where there are still people that are in need and you know I've done I've done mission trips things like that where you go to third world countries and you're helping people but we have people down the road that need our help too and we can sometimes forget about that and um, because it's yeah. not as visible either mm -hmm. so um, you know like in the city in Seattle when I was working for Nordstrom um, I would park and I would walk to my office and I would pa pass homeless on the streets um, begging for food and begging for money. And um, we don't see that here in Stanwood Camino. Yeah. We have it, but our homeless are not 
out on the street begging. You know, our, our homeless are couch surfing. Um, they are living in trailers or cars or in tents. Um, they're pretty invisible. You, you, if, if someone drove through here and go, you know, they go, there's no homeless situation, but there is. And then there's also poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, we are kind of remote, but you don't see it. Um, our, our, our families are very proud and our families are working really hard um, to try to make things work. And, and so it's, it's not visible. And that, that's probably the, the hardest thing. That's when, I, again, for seven years, I had no idea that there was a food bank here. Mm-hmm. And it's because I didn't see, I didn't see the need. And I also didn't investigate. I wasn't curious enough to investigate. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, and, and I think something, you know, um, I've, I've, my wife is very compassionate and, and definitely is able to seek that out and find people that are in need um, locally within our community as well. And, um, and with talking with them, she's, you know, when we're talking later on, it's like certain people just get stuck in this, like where they can't really make enough to get out of it and they can't make, you know, but if they fall too low, then they're, I don't, they get stuck in this really weird spot where they literally, you, there's no, I don't know. It can feel very hopeless because it doesn't seem like there's any way to win. It's yes. not something, you know, I think for me, I've a lot of times thought like if you just work hard enough, you can get out of it. There's a point where sometimes you can't work hard enough to get out of something yeah. unless someone reaches in and gives you a hand. Yes. Yes. And so something that we talk about a lot is the cliff effect. Um, so people are right in that in-between stage where they're, 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 they're barely scraping by. But if they, if, they, if they make a little bit more, then suddenly they, you know, snap benefits are turned off certain benefits are turned off and then they're in a worse situation. Right. And so there's that, how do you get past that? Because you have to be able to get past that in order to find that success. And so um, in our community, there's a thing called Making Life Work, which is um, a collaborative with nonprofits and businesses to make sure that families in our community have the connections, have the resources, have that hand, but it's not, it's not a handout. It is a hand to help them um, navigate and put them in touch with our bankers and our real estate people and um, all the different resources that we have in this community because we do try to take care of each other um, to give them that um, it's, it's relationships and connections that a lot of people in poverty don't have. Yep. And so yep. give them those so that they can reach out and they can say, hey, Brandon, um, I was told that you could help with this. Here's my situation. And then together you guys come up with a plan. Or being able to know, gosh, my credit report, it's what's really keeping me from um, getting a house. Um, how can I clean that up? Okay, so we have people in the community who say, if you go here, we can pull a free credit report. Here are the things you need to do to, to clean this up. And it's, it's learning the skills and who to talk to. Yeah. Yes. 
who's in our circle and broadening that circle for people. Um, and so we're, we're doing that in this community. And, and I think it's just going to make all of us stronger. Yeah, for sure. So with that and kind of talking on that, like these people and just in general, just being on the edge of that kind of in between, um, how have you seen the effects of what or what are the effects that you've seen from this from COVID-19 and, and its effect on this community? Well, um, <laughs> everyone, everyone is um, doing their best, is exhausted, uh, resourceful, trying to find new ways to do things that are completely different and out of our normal way of doing business. Um, so, for instance, at the food bank, we had recently gone to a grocery model, choice model of shopping. So people could come in, um, they grab their basket, and then they shop like they're in a grocery store and they pick out their own food. And it's much more respectful. It gives people choice. And we were super excited because we finally got there. And then COVID-19 came and we had to shut it down. Oh. So now we're back to an old style model of giving out food. And um, it's not what we wanted to do, but it's the only way we can do it in order to maintain social distancing, um, maintain safety, um, be able to get it out to large numbers of people. Um, so basically we had to shut down our food bank um, and not allow people inside. We've had to, um, our you know, cleaning system is much different now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had to tear down our grocery model and set it up more for production. And so, and because we can't have too many people in the building at one time, we have to limit the number of people inside our building, so the number of volunteers. So we have multiple shifts of people working six days a week with masks and gloves and and sanitation breaks. And um, it's, it's very strange but it's, it's, it's working. Um, we had to uh, dismiss all of our volu- pretty much all of our volunteers that were 65 and older because that's, wow. that's almost our entire volunteer crew. The upside of this, silver linings, I'm always talking about silver linings right now because you have to, otherwise you go nuts. Yeah. Um, silver lining is the teachers, the paras, the school bus drivers, families, students, children, People are coming out, nurses, um, you know, school nurses coming out in force to help us now. So oh, very cool. It, oh, it is, the, it is the most awesome thing. Um, we have a wait list for volunteers because so many people want to help. And um, it is, it's remarkable. We're doing a lot of training of new people every time. But um, we had a choice of bringing in the National Guard if we wanted to help with uh, packing and serving. And we elected not to do that. Um, One, it's a little intimidating to have people in uniform. Yeah. And and, um, we didn't want any barriers for service for for our folks. And the other thing is right now we've got so much community engagement 
Um, people who have never been in our food bank before are um, bringing in new ideas. They're seeing what the need is. Um, there's better connection. And I think, you know, for all of us, all of the, the agencies, um, it's an opportunity for us to reach out and, and bring more people into our organizations um, to help us, to, yeah. to create new programs or do things better or just, you know, feed the need kind of thing. Right. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, so we went to the, we went to a curbside pickup now. So people pull up, they come in, they get a number. Unfortunately, we have to go to numbers because otherwise people were congregating close together. Yeah. And again, we're trying to keep people safe. So they get a number, they go back to their car. We call people up in groups of 10 and then they can check in outside. So yesterday when it was raining, it wasn't very pleasant. Oh, yeah. Now that was awful. Um, but they check in and then they can customize their grocery sheet. So we're doing pre-packed shelf-stable boxes and then they have some customization. Do they want dairy? Do they want meat? Do they want produce? Do they want bread, deli, pastries? And they can customize it and then that's run inside and we've got volunteer shoppers who are filling their orders. Yeah. And then when the order is done, they're either called, text message, or their number is held up. And then they pull up their car and their cart with their name on it is waiting. And then they can load their groceries in their car. Okay. So it's working. It, it's not ideal, but, you know, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing about... Um, 250 to 300 families a week. Wow. For that, um, we've had a two or 300% increase in new families signing up. So families that have never, ever before used the food bank. Yeah. Because so many businesses have closed. Right. Um, they're now coming to the food bank for the very first time. Um, and so, and that's a scary experience. It's, you know, no one wants to do it. And, right. um, and trying to make people as comfortable as possible. Um, what else did COVID-19 do? COVID-19. So um, we have a backpack program. It's called Hope Meals for Kids Backpack. Yeah. And then you may have seen there's some um, pop-up locations called Kids Eat. And so we realized once the kids were out of school that suddenly children who used to get free and reduced breakfast and lunch at the schools, that wasn't happening. Right. And so um, in partnership with the school district, and then um, we've been able to pack our backpacks. The bus drivers come every Friday to the backpack building, and they pick up between 900 and 1,000 packs. And then they're delivered to 14 different locations, drop-off locations. Um, and the kids or parents can come and pick up those packs. And then they're available at the Kids Eat, which is um, in Stanwood in the Starbucks parking lot. People can pick up their um, packs there or food boxes, or they can come to the food bank. Um, normally, we are distributing about 365 packs a week, and mm -hmm. we're doing between 900 and 1,000. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a massive increase. Yeah. Um, we generally spend about five thousand dollars a month on that program. It's it's um, costing between twenty and twenty five thousand dollars a month right now. Whoa. Uh, so um, that's a that's a big uptick. Uh, Tracy, who runs that program, and then Tasha, who's running the Kids Eat, they're doing a, a marvelous job making sure that program is strong. Uh, Tracy's making sure that food is in um, the. Food supply chain is really broken. So even if you want to buy food, it's hard to find it. So we're having to go to national vendors, local places. Um, Grocery Outlet and IGA have been instrumental in helping us get food. Yeah. Um, And then we're looking at national vendors. um, But the timelines on those are four to six weeks because of down. And then prices have gone way up, uh, supply and demand. Um, you know, our grocery partners, uh, we have, what is it, 12 or 13 grocery stores that we we um, pick up food from. Yeah. We send out three trucks. They go out and pick it up. So we go down as far as Mill Creek, up as far as Cedro Woolley, and everywhere in between. Okay. Uh, but those, that, the grocery rescue dropped by 75% because there was fear-based panic buying. In the right. Grocery, so there wasn't anything left. Right. Um, so the first three weeks that we were in this pandemic, we are like, oh no, what are we gonna do? You know, <laughs> we don't need any food. Um, some of that is getting remedied. We're getting lots of fresh produce. I, I guess people aren't buying a lot of fresh produce right now. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we're, you know, we're running out, like, we, it's hard to find peanut butter. It's hard to find mac and cheese or pasta or sauce, uh, yeah. you know, shelf-stable stuff. So when we see it and we can buy it, we have to buy three to six pallets of it. Wow. Um, and then it's usually a, a, a three to six-week uh, timeline before we can get delivery. But we're, you know, again, we're making it work. Um, Kathy Moe is constantly searching for foods out there and, um, you know, working her, her magic with vendors and begging them to please <laughs> let us have it, give up the allocation, let us have it so we can feed our people. Um, and, and we're doing it. I mean, we, uh, it's, it's scary, but, you know, everyone's resourceful. We're rotating product. Uh, we couldn't do our big food drives. Our Simple Gesture program brings in about 8,000 pounds of food each time they do a pickup, and we had to cancel in April. Oh. Our main postal carrier's food drive, which would come up Mother's Day weekend, that had to be canceled. That's a national program, and that brings us 20,000 pounds of food. So, you know, those two things went away. Our thrift store has been closed, like all other small businesses. Yeah. That's usually a source of $6,000 a week that goes towards our food. Um, so there's been challenges, and um, but we're all, we're, all, we're all really focused on making sure we can feed our families, do it in a respectful way, work with our partners. Um, our community, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I, I get a little teary-eyed. Um, our community, is so supportive of our food bank, of um, our people, uh, 
financially, they have been donating in, in record amounts to uh, make up for the deficits, to help us buy food that's costing us more so that we can have enough mo money to um, buy the food to feed our people. And um, I can't say enough, I can't say thank you enough, because thank you just doesn't seem like a big enough word. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the scope and, and scale of this impact is so beyond imagination. It's, it's hard to visualize it. You know, I was talking to um, Snohomish Emergency Services a couple days ago, and he said, well, what do you need? I mean, what, how much food do you guys really need? I said, for our food bank, imagine for every food item, a can of green beans, a can of tuna, a can of chicken, we need 900 units every single week. Wow. Of every single item just for our food boxes. And then there's the backpack program. And you need, because we want all the packs the same, you need a thousand of every single item every single week. So, I mean, it's kind of mind boggling yeah. when you think of how much it is. Um, we give out 86,000 pounds of food a month to our families and 14,000 pounds a month through backpack. So it's 100,000 pounds of food. Yeah. Wow. That is it's, just crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I say it and I and I see it and I live it, but I it it's 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 beyond comprehension, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is that is crazy, but it's it's so neat to be able to see that the community has just stepped up and and helped out there. Um I think uh, honestly, I do think the the Stanwood Camino area is very supportive of its of its people of its small business um you know us here at the marketplace have, have gotten nothing but positive reinforcement from the community at large um in in the support of us remaining open and and serving our customers um and i know that's not the case in a lot of counties a lot of businesses yeah. i've seen a lot of things on facebook of people trashing companies and people and all these different things and um very fortunate to be part of this community we do, I, you know. I think because we're a little isolated, we're um, you know, we're island Snohomish and almost Skagit. We're we're that little pocket. We're kind of in this no man's land, and we as a community have always taken care of each other. Um, working with the nonprofits, we all work together. We like each other. We support each other's programs. We collaborate. We we want everyone to be successful. And then as a consumer and a resident here, um, our small businesses, I mean, that's what, that's what makes this a community. Yeah. Uh, to be able to come and get coffee and then to go to Tapped and get fish and chips and to pick up a pizza and to, I mean, to get some pastries. We need our small businesses to be able to open up. Mm -hmm. And um, I think all of us, we want everyone to be successful. We want we want to be cheerleaders and say, hang in there, come on, <laughs> please reopen. Because yeah. if our businesses don't reopen, it's not going to be the same community. Yeah. And 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 we want that. I mean we want we want we want everyone to thrive, right? right? Yeah. 
for sure. Um, so then with all of this, how can people either get involved or help out with these, like the food bank? Well, so here's what I would say. I would say um, all the nonprofits, including us, need financial donations. We can make your dollar stretch. So for us, we can buy food at three cents a pound from um, Food Lifeline. And actually right now, we can buy it for zero cents a pound. So um, if, if financially, that's a, a great way for us. But all the nonprofits, um, they can put dollars to work better at this time than anything else. Um, as far as volunteering, all of us need volunteers. I know that we have a massive need for volunteers. If, if we don't have volunteers, we can't open our doors. Um, and we are doing it safely. And so, um, but people have to be under 65 in order to volunteer mm -hmm. until things open up again and people are comfortable. And if you can't volunteer in person, you know, call your favorite nonprofit and say, I, here's my skill set. What can I do for you? Because um, there's talented people out there. There's videographers. There's people who do websites. There's people who could help with Facebook. I mean, there's so many talents. And I think people are itching to do something. They've probably run out of their projects. My <laughs> Still has a long honeydew list. <laughs> <laughs> there are, you know, wouldn't it be fun to be able to use your talents while you're stuck at home and know that you're doing some good? So reach out. Um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of these things are running a little bit remotely. So um, maybe send an email because most of the businesses are checking those. Um, and then you know, just spread the word. Spread the word to your, your family and friends. Um, let them know that um, help is needed and, and people, um, you know, I think we just need to be aware. I was talking to um, a donor today and she was surprised at the numbers and then all the different hoops that we have to jump through right now in order to get food on the shelves and then get it out to people. And so um, I'm, I love for people to call and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I think any of the directors of these organizations would love to have conversations. You know, we wanna share and we also wanna hear what can we do better for the community. Um, and Stanwood Camino is a super strong community. Uh, we've always, helped each other and I would just say you know watch out for the nonprofits and then also our small businesses the best way to help our small businesses is by ordering online um, I was so excited Brandon and Brandon did not ask me to make a plug but um, <laughs> he sent out an email and it was um, ordering online and I was able to place my order and and within a couple hours go pick up my order it was curbside delivery. I felt very special. And, um, you know, I had just run out of my favorite coffee and I needed a, a resupply and, and it was super easy. And so I think if we try to find ways to um, continue to support the businesses and then ask them, you know, what can we do best for you? Is it talking to people and saying, hey, you know, so-and-so's open? Yeah. Um, 
and until we know what our recovery process is going to be, and the, the not the last thing I'm going to say, but maybe, um, <laughs> I just want to say on behalf of the Stanwood Community Food Bank, the families, so the seniors, the children, um, all the different people that we serve who can't say thank you, um, you know, thank you for supporting us, for being there for us, seeing us through this long haul. We don't know what's on the other side. We don't know what our new normal is going to be. Um, but I'm incredibly proud to live here and to work here and um, to be supported by everyone. And Jeannie Ovenel started this because she had a passion for this community. And um, I think she would be so proud to see what this community is doing to support everyone. So thank you. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for that update and um, figure, finding out how to get involved and how we can help out. Um, we like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Okay, good luck. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, the first one is an easy one. It's do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Kameno that you like to hang out? Oh, that I like to hang out. Well, I I like walking on the beach. So, um, Atsalati, you know, it's it's a great beach walk. I like watching the changing tide, and um, and the eagles. I yeah. don't get to see the whales because I'm not on the south end of the island. I'm on the north end. But we do have beautiful beaches. Yes. All right. Pretend you have a friend coming from out of town visiting. Uh, what would the first day look like here? First day, we would um, oh, we'd stop and we'd get pastries at the bakery <laughs> <laughs> and we'd get coffee. And then we would probably take a walk on the beach, um, a long watch walk, or um, we'd go to one of our parks. And then um, we'd probably come back and grab some lunch because we do like to eat. And um, at one of our little restaurants. Um, and then we would probably grab a beer or some wine someplace and then settle in for the evening and just watch nature out here. Yeah, very cool. Um, okay, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Oh, golly, there are so many. There are so many. Oh, my gosh. So I'm trying to think of who you've already interviewed, um, and you've probably hit most of them. Um, I don't know if you've interviewed uh, Julie Vest with the Senior Center. Bonnie Eckley with the Camino Center um, is amazing and fascinating. Teresa Metzger, um, longtime uh, community activist, uh, truly remarkable. Um, golly, I, I have this list of people in my head. Um, but you've, I think you've interviewed most of them. Janet Sinclair, of course. Um, hmm. So I know you've already done the Heagles. Yeah. <laughs> you've already done my husband. I mean, he is the most interesting character <laughs> in our community. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> Loved hearing his background too in communication and stuff. Yes, yes. 
Yes, he has a, a wild background, and um, he has quite a few stories. Yes. I'm sure there's more stories we didn't get to. So well, I'm sure there is. You know what? You could just you could talk to him for a year, and he would never have, um, he would never repeat the same story twice. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ever bored, talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I love seeing him and talking with him. <laughs> All right, and lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Kamano Island right as you're driving up the hill, what would that say? Um. It would say, um, wow, it'd say, thank you, Kameno, um, for caring about your community. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. It, yeah. it really is a, a special place to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are very lucky. We're very blessed that we can live here, work here, and... Um, hang out with great people. Yep. For yeah. Sure. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for everything that you are doing in the community um, with the food bank, with everything and adjusting. Um, it's, it's really, you know, we really appreciate everything you do for this community and helping out so many different people. Well, thank you very much. And I will just say my, <laughs> these are my last words. Um, <laughs> It's really, it's really about the volunteers, and then um, there is the most amazing staff of people. So I'm going to do a quick shout out to Kathy and Wendy and Kirill and Tracy and Diane and Julie because they are making everything work um, under extraordinary circumstances, um, and they are um, risking their health to. Um, do this really important work and uh just a big thank you very cool thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today <laughs> thank you brandon appreciate it all right and islanders i will talk to you on the next one well a big thank you to lynn Ayers for joining me on the podcast and thank you for listening to part two of the podcast uh it was fun doing the first part one and part two of a podcast um, and again i just want to reiterate a big thank you from the san Camino food bank and lynn um, for the support that this community has given to them during this really difficult time and uh, just how appreciative they are for everything that uh, this community has done for them. Um, for more information on this episode or to listen to part one, um, if somehow you got here and haven't listened to that, uh, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash EP44. Uh, that's kamenocommons.com slash EP44. Um, to get all the information from this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.